Well, good afternoon, everybody. Apologize for starting a little bit later than normal. We had some technical difficulties we had to uh, iron out. And not related to that, I spilled coffee on my shirt about 15 minutes ago. And fortunately, the crop on this video is masking the majority of the stains on my shirt. So I'm glad about that. And I'm glad we got the technology issue sorted out. And interestingly, we'll be talking about technology uh, with David on, on this call. But we're also going to dive a little bit more into some of the elements with property management, how to attract, how to retain tenants, the importance of that relationship. Uh, I've often said to people, you can't discount how important the lease is because in a lot of cases, these leases can run 5, 10, 15 years. Uh, some of these leases last longer than the average marriage. So it's important to have the understanding that these relationships are very important and there's ways and strategies on how, how we can maximize that. And that's what we're going to jump into with, with David on this. So Wyatt, if you can uh, bring David on and David, great to see you again. Hi, Chad. How are you? Nice to see you again. I am doing well. The last time we chatted was on your podcast. You're a fellow podcaster. I I love your show. I've been a fan of your show for a while. It was an honor to be a guest. And now it's an honor to have you as my guest. Switching roles. Looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be fun. I, so I want to jump right into your your background and your company, Hilo. And I really I want to get an understanding of what took you to this point? Uh, you've, you were in the marketing and communication space for a number of years. You started Hilo. Was it 2017? Yeah, thereabouts. Okay, uh, so got, got the timelines right. So you came at it from not necessarily working directly in the commercial real estate space, but you were associated with it. You were helping with some marketing communication, and now you're directly involved in it. What was your journey to get to where you are uh, today. And then I've got a couple follow-up questions on that, but I really just want to hear your, a little bit more of your story. Sure. Uh, well, that story began uh, 25 plus years ago. Uh, got into the marketing communications world. Um, and early on in that career, identified an opportunity. We um, started um, connecting and pitching commercial real estate operators. Uh, we won our first piece of business uh, very early on in my career. Uh, and we went on to uh, really develop a sort of a niche expertise in marketing communications, but specifically for commercial real estate. Uh, commercial real estate operators generally were not very marketing savvy, and we saw an opportunity to help them uh, develop better relationships with their tenants. And so the, our work primarily focused on uh, communication strategies, uh, events, um, different types of advertising, and obviously as, as time went on, um, interactive, web, social, and so forth, um, really helping those building operators connect their tenants to their customers uh, and deliver a better experience. So Although it wasn't, uh, you know, as it is today in terms of uh, where we are with regard to tenant experience, uh, we did it through more traditional means and, and methods. Um, and we did that for a long time. And it wasn't until probably uh, around 2013, 2014, that I saw the market begin to shift. And the reason for that primarily was that buildings were going for their LEED certification. They were becoming more green conscious. Uh, they were thinking about sustainability. Uh, our primary form of communication in the early days was print, believe it or not. And of course, print was no longer in vogue. Uh, the tenants within the spaces didn't want that printed material left on their desks. And the developers and, and property managers were thinking about, you know, different um, strategies and techniques to reduce their, 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 um, uh, their footprint on this world and become more green conscious. And so I thought technology was um, likely uh, a path to follow. And again, as you pointed out in 2017, um, eventually began to build out what has now become Hilo. 
So one thing that I really want to get your thoughts on are from your position working in that communication space and the marketing space all the way to now being in the prop tech space and dealing with a lot of these companies, what have you noticed about the industry? Well, uh, you know, first of all, commercial real estate, uh, everyone will tell you is, yes, it's the largest asset class in the world, but I think everyone will agree it's one of the slowest industries um, to uh, change. And so the disruption of commercial real estate by technology has been a slow uh, and it's sometimes painful process. Um, certainly COVID accelerated that process probably by three, four, five, six years. Um, but, you know, we, we are still facing an industry that is um, very much, uh, you know, built and, 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 and run by uh, people that have had tremendous uh, careers, uh, long careers. And so their willingness to um, consider uh, new forms of, of technology to um, change the way in which they do business has, is, is quite a process. I think, again, we've made tremendous inroads um, and some companies have really invested in prop tech, in technology. Uh, they've put together you know, innovation teams to help manage this process for them. But again, recognize that you know, 20% of the market is class A buildings, class A developers that would have that, that kind of infrastructure in-house. 80% of the market is, you know, your B and C uh, class buildings. And, you know, they don't have that, that level of support. And so they're really looking to the prop tech industry to help guide them and show them the way. Um, so, again, it's continuing to evolve. It's moving forward much more quickly than perhaps in the past. Um, but I think we still have a number of years ahead of us as prop tech continues to mature. Um, and as technology stacks continue to take root, you know, what is the right um, um, technology stack for any one company and what systems or software or hardware is required to bring it all home? Uh, what we don't want to do is send our customer to five apps, three websites and two portals. Um, so at some point, we've got to look at how we can bring all of that home and bring it all, um, unify it all. And, and certainly that's a, a, a part of the arena where Hilo plays. Yeah, I, I love the point you made about how one of the reasons, and it's the do dominant reason that it's this industry has been slow to adapt is there's a lot of people that have just made a lot of money doing it the traditional old school way. And it understandably, if somebody's been successful doing things one way, they're going to be reticent to make right. dramatic changes. And that's what prop tech actually represents as a fundamental shift in the way people do business. So when when you're talking to people, do you see they're a growing appetite because the next generation is, is getting more influence in these decisions or is it just a factor? Sorry, to cut you off, I was just uh, right before you answered, uh, or, or is it a decision that people are just start, starting to see the value for it? And, and, and now the value proposition is catching the attention of, of some of these decision makers. I think it's a combination. I don't think you can attend a single uh, seminar, webinar, conference, um, certainly on, on social media, I mean, one of the most dominant themes right now is in and around tenant experience, mm -hmm. um, how technology can be utilized. Um, and that's, you know, just one component of what PropTech really has to offer. Um, so I think it's driven in part by, uh, again, the acceleration uh, because of COVID, of the adoption of technology. Uh, I think it's definitely, if we look at the demographic, it's very interesting to see also as we examine the return to work, you know, which audiences are coming back sooner and are driving the demand for new forms of engagement. And I think that certainly speaks to a younger demographic um, that do actually want to be in the workplace, perhaps not exclusively, uh, but they do recognize the value of being in front of the people that they work for, um, collaborating with their peers, 
building relationships, you know, really being, um, you know, right in the thick of things for mentorship, um, career advancement and so forth. So I think that's one factor. Um, and again, I think building operators are really, you know, really having to think um, long and hard about how they now connect with their tenants. You know, it used to be you could put a poster in the lobby or um, an ad on your digital screen, your elevator. Well, if we recognize that people are going to continue to work from anywhere um, going forward, we've got to look to technology to better connect with people no matter where they are. Uh, and I think that's also driving um, definitely uh, the interest that, you know, developers now have for how technology can enhance the experience that they offer their tenants and connect with people no matter where they are. Yeah, what I love about your platform is that the focus is on the tenant experience, as you mentioned, where a lot of the prop tech platforms that I've seen or or even pay for as a subscriber myself is usually focused either on the property owner or right. on the property manager or on the broker. It's all geared towards that, but it's that discounts the importance that a property is only as valuable as the tenants that are in there. And there needs to be that acknowledgement on, on how important they are, but also how important that relationship is. So I, I guess that's where I'd, I'd I was hoping to go down that road at some point here, but maybe we'll just jump into yeah. it right now. You've you've talked to a number of, of companies, you've talked to a number of tenants, a number of landlords. This has also been another gap in my mind. Like you said, it was, it's an archaic system where uh, the landlord or property manager might just send out a, a, a letter in the mail, uh, or might, they might just drop in every once in a while, and that was the form of communication. But for various reasons, that's not an optimal way from an efficiency standpoint or real-time response standpoint so what 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 does what do you think is the better way of having a communication system whether it's an industrial property an office property retail property what's the best way to optimize that relationship between the landlord and the tenant right uh it's an interesting question now first of all i just want to say that uh, a tenant experience platform such as hilo does not replace everything that you're already doing it, it, it certainly can create a more streamlined form of communication and connection, uh, but you have to be committed to delivering an amazing tenant experience. The, our platform itself doesn't do it. And I think that's a bit of a misconception um, and also speaks to, you know, it's not that it, it's easy actually to implement a program like ours. What requires the effort is to sustain it, to maintain it. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I think that you're, you know, you spoke about the, the ways in which property owners and managers you know, uh, historically would connect with their tenants. And I'm not suggesting that they don't ever, you know, hit the floor and actually go visit people or pick up the phone and actually call someone or occasionally send an email. But those processes aren't necessarily efficient. And so part of our vision is not only to help attract and retain tenants, but ultimately, yes, to streamline operations. How can we improve the way in which we connect and communicate with people and do it in a more efficient manner? Um, and then, of course, there's that, that other ingredient, which I mentioned earlier. If people aren't even in the building, you know, how do we connect with them? And that's where we've got to go digital. Um, I think that what Hilo does is it opens up the lines of communication. It allows more people to be connected efficiently to the building and to the building operations team. Um, it used to be that the primary focus was the key general contact. Like there was one person, the decision maker or the office manager within a suite that was the focus of the property management team to be connected to. Mm -hmm. And we just don't think that represents uh, the world as it's unfolded today. We believe that every single person that enters your building is as important as the key general contact, is as important as the decision maker, or is as important as the person that signs the lease. 
And the only way to connect with every single person that either lives or works in your building or visits your building is through some type of digital communication platform. And I think that's where the world has changed and where building operators are slowly but surely coming to terms with that um, and recognizing that uh, the way they used to do it um, is, is still okay, but it's not enough. Um, and I think that some building operators are still coming to terms with the fact that um, every single person is their customer and they need a relationship with each and every one of them in order to ensure down the road that that tenant does want to um, continue uh, to have space in their building and perhaps even consider how to expand that relationship going forward. So walk me through how that could look in theory, and, and you can elaborate specifically on, on how Hilo approaches it, but even just from a theoretical standpoint, how do you nurture that relationship between building operator and the tenant that leases the space? Well, I think it used to be that buildings were in the business of just off offering space. Uh, they were buildings. Uh, the building was the asset. And it was sort of the old adage, build it and they will come. Um, and, you know, as long as they could rent out space, you know, deal done. Um, yes, their focus was ensuring that the lights went on and, you know, the air conditioning worked and so forth. But their, their view of, of the tenant's world stopped and started with simply providing the space. I think that has changed dramatically. I think they recognize now that the experience that those tenants have within their, the individual space and the experience that people have within their building um, is really what ensures, uh, you know, long-term retention. Um, and that relationship is not only, um, you know, based on their experience entering the building, their experience in using certain facilities, um, engaging with amenities, but it's also how and where they connect with them. And so, again, Hilo was used as a, a digital channel to directly communicate and connect with people and be able to inform them about all that's going on within the built world, um, about new programs, new services, new amenities, um, and offer, you know, that real-time communication. And, it, and, and, and what's really important is be able to communicate with them before they even enter the building and long after they've left the building, hmm. uh, whether it be emergency notifications, um, surveying their tenants to gain insights into um, various issues that uh, the building operator is thinking about going down the road. How do they ensure that what they're doing really represents what their tenants are thinking? Um, and then, you know, Hilo can also be utilized to help track engagement. Um, if they're going to bring new programs and services to market, we want to make sure that the investment that we're making, we're going to maximize the value from that. And so Hilo allows them to understand how people are engaging and utilizing not only spaces, but also services, programs, amenities. You know, what are they responding to? What do they ultimately want? Yeah, it's it sounds like what what your platform offers is is a comprehensive set versus trying to do all these things individually because i'm sure it someone that's resourceful and dedicated enough to go and track all these things individually could do it but it creates a mess of having having uh, all these different functions all trying to do the same thing and i don't want to make this sound like an infomercial for you for you guys because <laughs> I, although i'm a, a big fan of what you do i'm i i also do just acknowledge that this can be a very complex and dynamic space and you mentioned earlier that it's, it's difficult to keep your head around all these different options that are out there. So in your space working in prop tech, how have you seen other people navigate this train of, of so many different companies coming up? It seems almost every day there's a new prop tech company offering some type of different solution. How do you navigate this being in the space yourself? 
Uh, well, it, it is challenging, and I think it's obviously more challenging even for the developer themselves. Uh, and understand just how fast this has all happened. You know, in 2017, 2018, there were you know maybe just a few hundred companies, and now we're 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 into the many thousands of companies, and there's all kinds of different platforms that are attempting to you know track you know all the different prop tech solutions that are out there, and then be able to provide um, good counsel back to the the real estate community. Um, so it, it is a serious question. Um, you know, I think we're going to continue to see um, companies um, be born into this new world and then also, you know, exit. Uh, not everybody will survive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it does require determination. It does require perseverance. It does require maturity. Um, and I think that uh, where technology companies will, will, will have to really um, spend more time thinking about um, is the service that they offer. So it will not be just enough to license their software to the real estate industry. And I think we're already starting to see that because it was very, I mean, that was the first goal. Simply get that software license, get the product you know, in the hands of users and hope for the best. Um, and given my background, which is again, very much driven from the service industry, we recognize that as much as we are now a technology company and providing a technology solution, we need to be able to back that up with service. And we think that's going to be one of the differentiators going forward. Uh, that if we can be a great product, um, but also support our, our partners with incredible service, right, right from onboarding um, to helping them launch and activate our program within market um, to providing ongoing customer support and service, not only to the building operator, but to the users, their tenants. We think that actually is going to be the biggest differentiator, not the technology itself, but how we maintain that relationship long term. So again, coming from a service background, I, I don't take kindly to losing clients. I, 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 you, know, you, you work just too hard to get them. Um, so we bring that business philosophy um, to our um, uh, relationships with our partners. Um, and I think going forward, that could be what ultimately separates you know, the, the successful to, from the not successful. You know, whether or not they um, you know, can really uh, deliver a company that uh, is in it for the long term. Um, you know, and certainly in the technology world, many startups are founded by um, lots of young people. And, and I certainly feel young and like to think that I'm young at heart. Uh, but you'll see there's a little bit of gray hair. Uh, so I think I bring that business acumen and experience to the table. Uh, and we certainly hope that's going to be valuable in the eyes of, of our business partners. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, well said on that, too. Uh, on on the on the software itself, and, and again, this is, we could take this in a general context, not necessarily related to, to Hilo, but just from a general standpoint, when it, the, the software, the platform, or any system that someone has in place is only going to be as valuable as the, the in, uh, information that goes into it, like right. kind of gar- garbage in, garbage out type of philosophy. So you need to have tenants actually participating in this. So at what point do tenants feel that they're being inundated with information or they're being inundated with questions for surveys or follow-up or uh, uh, suggestions? At what point are they like, we just want to operate our business and we just want to lease this space and you just leave us alone? Yeah, that that's, so I think there's a, you know, a bit of a, a narrow path to follow. And I think a lot of this is around best practices. Um, you, you know, we, we want to find the balance of, you know, being helpful and supportive um, and engaging. And, and to your point, uh, if, if the platform inundates the users, any platform for that matter, inundates its users with content that's not relevant um, or, or the frequency is inappropriate, you're going to turn people off. So that's part of the counsel that we provide. And I think any um, software solution needs to provide to their clients in terms of guiding them as to what is appropriate. Um, and again, as 
software platforms like ours continue to evolve, it's also um, how do we make the information super relevant? Um, so first of all, it's got to be very um, targeted um, and we have to better understand all the various user stakeholder groups so that the information that is shared is ultimately going to be helpful in their workday. We like to say that we want to make their where they live and work easier and better. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want to make it noisy. Um, so uh, definitely a, a tightrope to, 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 to walk on. Um, we certainly help provide best practices to our business partners. Uh, we want to ensure that we're top of mind, front of mind, um, but we don't want to be inundating them with either content that's not relevant or messaging that simply does not add value. Um, part of our platform also includes um, connection to community. Um, we don't just feel that buildings are sort of four walls and should be treated as a silo. So we look for ways to engage with other local businesses in and around buildings to help add added value um, and demonstrate to our users another reason for why they should be a part of um, the building community. Yeah, I love that point about value add because I, I think that that's an often overlooked element of of what property owners can do when they're onboarding a new tenant. Quite often, it's as simple as a, a visual walkthrough, perhaps signing some documents, handing over the keys and wishing them farewell. But whether it's through a digital platform like your own or, or perhaps one of those old school methods of just providing some information about the area, uh, where where some good restaurants are are to, to eat at, uh, where some some potential customers of theirs might be, uh, I, I think adding something to the equation uh, can go a long way in in retaining those tenants, which is the goal of of every property owner. Absolutely. Much like yeah, Absolutely. much like you're you're you've got a product and you need to service it and, and keep your customers happy. A property owner, their product is their building and they still need to have service so that they can uh, uh, retain those tenants. I know one point that you've you've made before is attracting tenants is obviously critical. If you have an empty building, filling that uh, that vacancy is imperative. What's how are you seeing new ways of attracting tenants versus what has traditionally been the norm? Yeah, well, certainly we've seen a couple of things happen. We've seen, we, we've heard this language, uh, you know, more recently, the flight to quality. So mm-hmm. I think there's been a phenomenal amount of new construction that has come online uh, that has offered, um, you know, tremendous um, and exciting new amenities and programs. Uh, so I think that is definitely a, a big part of what people are looking for. Um I, I recently recorded one of my episodes with um, um, a, a tenant representative in New York, and we talked a, a little more in depth around tenant amenities. And he said, listen, you know, he had a client that did a walkthrough. And when they were shown, you know, the ping pong tables and the foosball tables and, you know, um, some of those bells and whistles, the, the, the tenant sort of said, listen, I, I'm not bringing my people here to, to play. I'm bringing them ultimately here to work. You know, they were more interested in meeting rooms, conference f- facilities, maybe mm-hmm. a podcast recording studio on site. Um, so, you know, I think there's going to be a, a, a real um, evolution of what it means to amenitize your building. Um, and I think the bells and whistles, you know, maybe have some uh, a, a little bit of initial sex appeal, but I don't think that's going to be a long term um, positive. I, I think people, as they're looking for, you know, at real estate options, certainly in, in larger, uh, newer uh, buildings, they're definitely looking for amenities, you know, new spaces that are, are emerging that are going to enrich the experience for them and 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 not just be confined to the own their own space that they've leased in that building um so i and that being said 
I then think there's another opportunity for smaller, more boutique buildings. And you and I also discussed this on our on our time together on my show, you know, where industrial fits into this equation and how industrial can start to create a really unique offering um, that, again, is not necessarily competing with the class A, you know, new new construction, but again, can offer its own unique interpretation of space for people. Um, and I guess that's the bottom line is ultimately buildings are places for people and understanding what people need and want is what it's all going to come down to. Um, so I think it's going to continue to evolve. Um, and I think understanding that people are now coming back for opportunities to collaborate, to create, um, they don't want to just sit at a desk and do what they could do at home. So I think that's where buildings. And, and I like to say, need to partner with their occupiers, um, and think about the experience that's ultimately offered. That's exactly the next road that I want to go down on this is, is talking about office space and industrial, which some people might not be aware of. You can have a full office space in an industrial building. In fact, I own a building with, with a few partners and our office uh, is occupies about 30% of the building. The rest is more of the traditional industrial uses, but we have a hundred percent office space in, in an right. industrial zone building. So it is, it is a lot more common than people might think. So my the focus of my show is industrial, but I often overlap into other areas because there's, there's a lot of similarities between the two. So I do want to dive into this office topic a little bit more, uh, get your thoughts on working from home, getting people back into the office, how you do that, how you set this all up. Uh, but I I'd also just want to open this up to, to anybody that's tuned in. If you want to ask a question for David, uh, please feel free to put that in the chat. We'll, we'll answer as many questions as we can. I noticed that uh, Neil and Beverly were in and, and said hello. So thanks for joining in and, uh, Beverly said, don't forget to thumbs up this video. Yes, please give it a thumbs up. And Neil, uh, excited for another awesome interview. Thanks for joining in. Again, anyone that has a question for David, we're covering a lot of stuff, prop tech, office, back back to work. Uh, so anything that comes to mind, feel free to put it in the chat. Uh, but let's jump into that office because I'm fascinated by it. Uh, as as a partner in my company, where, where we have a, a lot of people that pre pre-COVID, majority of people are working in the office and now it's a lot more spread out where people are choosing to work some days at home. Uh, there's some people that, that have, haven't come in very much at all and they're still productive. So as a, as a co-owner of the company, you have to balance it by saying if they're being productive and they're happy, at what point do you force people to come back? Uh, okay. Which I don't think is a, a, a road that I want to go down. I don't think many people want to test the waters on what happens if you start forcing people back to the to the workplace. How do you, and you, you brought up a really good point about the, the office serves a function of collaboration and creating things. And I agree with you. If you're just sitting in a cubicle, looking at a computer screen for eight hours a day, I would w rather work at home too. Like th to me, that, that seems logical that if to have to travel and do the commute and everything that goes with it to do the exact same thing in a cubicle, which is going to be dimly lit, uh, noise all around you, or you can do it from the comfort of your home. To me, that seems like a no brainer. How do you, how do you balance that? Like what, what I guess a lot of questions I'm throwing yeah. at you here. Yeah. Do you see this work from home being more of a systemic issue, more of a systemic trend? And if so, are there things that the industry can do to reverse that to get people back into the office? Well, listen, at the end of the day, again, our philosophy is buildings are for people. Uh, people generally want to be with other people. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that is going to continue to um, stabilize and, and sort of reemerge as a, 
um, an important element of what it means to go to work. Um, and yes, you can go to work at home. You can go to work at the cottage. You can go to work at a Starbucks. Um, I think that over time we are going to see a balance. Um, I do not believe in some of the polarizing and um, extreme views that are being expressed. Um, listen, it would be in my best interest to say everybody needs to, should, and, and will come back to work, right? Because my platform is ultimately helping buildings connect with people, particularly in their building, but certainly from wherever they are. Um, and there are other prop tech solutions that we're seeing emerge that are all about remote work. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you look at their commentary, you know, their feeling is that remote work is the only way. Um, and then anybody that insists that someone come into an office, you know, they should be, I think, tarred and feathered. So, again, I, I think that's wrong. Um, so uh, re- recognizing that I might have a, a reason for encouraging people to come back, I think I'd rather be more realistic um, and say that I believe that, you know, we, we are somewhere in the middle. The workplace is still, the physical workplace is still an incredibly important part of what I call now a workplace ecosystem. Um, and I think it can always uh, be sort of that, uh, offer a central um, experience to everything else that you might utilize within that workplace ecosystem. Um, so work from home when either the commute is too long or the work that you have is heads down and you want to be uninterrupted and focused and be more productive. I think you want to come to the workplace, the physical workplace, um, in order to be with people, collaborate, create, support, mentor, l- learn, and, and so forth. And so, and I think buildings, sorry, buildings and the employer now have to think more about what that looks like. They have to create experiences and the reason why. To just mandate people to come back, I think, is personally a very big mistake. Um, and I don't think it'll be sustainable. Um, and for people to say, I'm never going back to work, well, then they're essentially freelancers. And in my previous business, particularly in the marketing communications world, um, nine times out of 10, when, a, a, when I posted a creative position and someone applied, they were a freelancer that was tired of working at, alone at home. Okay, so again, I think we are going to find that in all different industries and all different, um, you know, service deliverables and all different, you know, facets of of what we might or may or may not do, we're going to find that being with people is still a very important component. So I'm still bullish on buildings, but I recognize that they're now part of a larger ecosystem and they need to carve out why they are so important. Yeah, I I agree with everything you said there. Did you happen to catch the comments that Malcolm Gladwell made the other day? I did, yeah. For for those who haven't caught it, well, uh, perhaps uh, uh, Wyatt or Beverly, if you're able to even just pull up that article and put it in the comments, it was quite fascinating. I mean, Malcolm Gladwell is a, is a world-renowned author, and I, I imagine that Malcolm Gladwell works primarily for, from home. That's like I can just picture him typing away on his on his keyboard at home in, in the quiet. So I would have thought when he was making comments about the office space and working from home versus returning to work, I thought it'd be more on the side, like let, let people work wherever they want. Don't force them back. And he went completely the other way. Uh, right. uh, he, he basically said, is this what you, your life has come to? Is that you're just working from home now? Is this what you imagined your life to be? And it was, it was very in support of people going back to the office. It was met with qu- quite a bit of controversy because I, I a lot of people do disagree uh with with kind of what we're talking about as well as uh if you force people back that there could be a considerable amount of backlash that comes from that and, and so i think there has to be some acceptance oh here it is right here uh, thanks white uh chris uh, uh, 
Malcolm Gladwell addressing criticism. Solitary work can be done at home, but for creative work, offices really do matter. And if we could put that in the comments as uh, as well, just so people can check out that that article, why that'd be great. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a lot. Of what we we've talked about, David, is it, it really is this this crazy time where there's some faction of the workforce that says, "I'm never going back to the office. Uh, I refuse to go back. I will quit." will be this great resignation that we're all going to experience. And then there's, I think the majority of, of companies that, that I've talked to anyways are saying, well, we respect that you can do a lot from work, but we still want to have a workplace culture. We still want to have, have some oversight might be too strong of a word, but we still want to have some uh, management in place where we can talk to our employees and see how they're doing and see how we could help. And it's very difficult to do that over a virtual call. And I think that's fair. I think employers are entitled to have their people at times, you know, in their space and 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 be able to interact with them, you know, one on one and in person. I think that's fair. Um, you know, we had just a, you know, you're right. You talked about the 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 great resignation and, and people just simply saying, "I'm never going back to work." Well, we'll see how long that lasts. I think that is mm-hmm. certainly. I, I can't deny that it's happening. Um, we had a young person this past um, winter who applied for an internship with Hilo. Um, we desperately wanted them to join us and, uh, made them an offer, um, went back, back and forth. And eventually they declined our offer. Cause at that time we were hundred percent remote and mm-hmm. they wanted to have some time in person, um, you know, meeting with other team members, developing relationships, having a social component uh, to their workday. Um, and so unfortunately we lost that person. Um, and I don't think that's the exception. Um, you know, in talking with my team, currently we are, uh, remote. Um, but we are desperately um, all, all looking for ways in which that we can start to come back and be with each other. Um, and we're looking at alternatives right now where we can come together one or two day, times per week. Um, and I can tell you that as I have gotten out beyond my home office where I am today um, and spending more time, for example, in downtown Toronto, I've recently been in Calgary, Edmonton, I've been in New York, um, and getting out and meeting with people, uh, meeting them for lunch, visiting them in their offices, um, just walking the downtown cores, it's exhilarating. I can't tell you how exciting it is. And I come back reinvigorated. And this maybe I come back for most days back to my home office. But that other experience is hugely valuable. Um, and I and I think that there's just, uh, you know, long term, I think more and more of us are going to want to find balance. And so, you know, my hope, not, not sitting on the fence, but being realistic, uh, I think we perhaps have an opportunity for the best of both worlds. Um, work remote when it makes sense. Work remote when we have spaces that... Um, allow for that. Um, and again, you have different demographics where, you know, a young family with, with, with young kids in a small apartment, guess what? They want to go back to work, um, you know, versus a single person who has, you know, a home office um, and nobody else there. Maybe they're just fine working from home. So I don't think it's one size fits all. I really think we need to offer a, a, a number of different solutions um, to make it all work. Yeah, that's very well said. And it brought to mind actually a, a story that I could tell that actually just happened about a month or two ago. So I, over the pandemic, I worked a lot from, from my house and I was anxious to get back to work. And one of the, one of the days, maybe this was even uh, going back a few months now, I was in the office and I happened to be walking by one of my colleagues who was getting rather agitated on the phone and he was clearly upset about something and when he got off the phone i just said hey, is everything okay what's what's going on he told me a story about uh, a deal that he had in place uh and they were just about to uh, remove conditions and the landlord uh unbeknownst to them leased the space to another tenant so mm-hmm. it 
complete rug pull on them. And, and there might have been some ways that they could have challenged this, but this particular tenant needed to be into a space right away. Right. So I asked him what they were looking for. He went through the details with me and I said, yeah, I might have a space that actually could actually work. We'll have to be a little creative on it. Uh, so this was a Friday afternoon. I got him through the space that evening, moved something that I had just so we could get this tenant through. Uh, and over the weekend with a landlord who was very cooperative and, and, and willing to work over the weekend as well, we actually got the whole thing done, start right. to finish over the weekend. And we leased the space. And it wasn't, it wasn't a huge space. I think it was about a 10,000 square foot warehouse. But the only way that I got that done, and in my mind, I, I, I did a great service for my client and the the other agent did a great service for his. The mm. only reason that that happened was because I was in the office. I would right. never have known about that. And that, that one was, that one stuck, stood out in my mind because we literally got something done right after that phone call. But there's plenty of examples like that. If, if people really start thinking of, of things that they pick up uh, when they're in the office, whether it's just having a casual conversation with somebody or noticing something that's happening, you lose that if you're stuck at home. So I, I, I'm a big advocate of that as well. I, I, I do think that, that there has to be some balance where people still feel job satisfaction, whether they are working predominantly from home or not. But I, my personally would, would hate to spend the rest of my career uh, working out of my house. I'd hate it. I, I agree. You know, part of me is, is frustrated that we're still having these discussions. Like I think it's great that we're having yeah. the discussion and, and I continue to have them on, on my own podcast, but also I'm getting, you know, frustrated that um, why can't we move beyond this? Why can't we recognize that we've been through a really difficult period of time. The world has changed. Uh, we're not now looking for a world post-COVID. We're, we're now living in a world with COVID. This mm -hmm. probably is the new norm. Um, why don't we just focus on doing great work? Why don't we focus on great building great companies? Why don't we focus on delivering great service? Why don't we focus on building amazing products? Um, and then figuring out how and where we need to do that. And it's not about you know, should we only be remote or should we mandate our people together? It's focus on the work that needs to be done. Create the experiences in the various places. Use technology to its advantage, both in terms of managing remote work and also engaging, engaging on site and then bridging the two. But let's just get down to business. I can't tell you how many times I still get on the, the phone with a calling a company where I'm trying to reach someone. And an hour and a half later, you get a live person. And they'll apologize and explain that, you know, due to COVID, you know, this is the way that it is. And I, I'm just growing really tired of hearing the, the old COVID excuse. Uh, let's just get down to business. Let's continue to build great companies. Let's continue to collaborate. Let's continue to build amazing relationships in and around work that can last a lifetime. Um, and it, it shouldn't be all about. Um, you know, one or the other. And it shouldn't be about where we work. It should be about how we work. Um, and I think that's where, you know, for us, you know, we're, we're looking at how Hilo can be used to help people to ultimately work better, certainly in buildings, um, but that perhaps over time begin to consider the fact that they're not in buildings exclusively. And how can we even bridge that chasm by by adding even more value? It's a great message. And, and as you were saying that, it really jumped out to me that companies only exist to sell a product or sell a service. That's it. And right. the narrative has, has been clouded over by this story of COVID uh, still 
I'm impacting people two and a half years later, even though you see movie theaters full, you see shopping malls full, everybody's seems to be back to normal in terms of how they live their lives. But there's the, the office environment somehow has, has had this carryover, which is, is actually quite wild. But at right. the end of the day, I, I agree with you completely. The, how, how are you growing that company to better offer a better product or offer better service? Right. There's too much discussion. Oh, and should we even go back to work when I, I, you said that perfectly, the focus should be on how do we get better as a company and let those pieces will come together on their own. Uh, but there, you're right there. There's way too much of a focus on that. I agree. And, and I think that, you know, I don't think it needs to be mandated by the executive team. I think that individual teams and then individuals, just as we trusted individuals, listen, we went remote literally over a 48 hour period in March of 2020. Right. The largest, mm -hmm. you know, transition of how and where we did business probably ever. And it worked like people. We all learned that people actually could be trusted. People were productive. In fact, some argued more productive. Um, and we got through it. Um, and I and I think we have to continue to trust people um, mm -hmm. and trust teams. And it doesn't have to be. It's the same. It's a cookie cutter solution for everybody. There could be certain teams, certain um um, departments within companies where, you know, it makes sense to do things, different things at different times. Um, and so I'm a big proponent now of just, let's get on with things. Let's just start to make great things happen. Um, you know, often during times of adversity, amazing um, built companies are built. As mm -hmm. Historically, it's happened. You know, every recession or, and now the pandemic, you know, great companies have been born um, or great companies just, you know, continue to be built and, and or emerge. So, um I just want to find ways to help people um, work better, live better, um, and uh, and find a way that 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 enables them to to bring their best self to that to that process. That's a, that's a noble goal. Uh, question or comment from JD. JD, thanks for joining in. Uh, good to see you on here. Uh, hi, Chad and David. I find that we still need to be out and about with uh, around our properties, face to face with the tenants, discussing what's going on and what they may need. So many leads have come from that. I, I, I think that you're on the exact same page as JD, right? Agreed. Agreed. Again, I don't think that our platform replaces what people are already doing. I, we want to enhance it. We want to expand it. We want to streamline it, improve it. Um, I, I have a, a developer that we're working with right now that is looking at the platform. And, and some of their concern is, well, we already do this. Um, and their definition of we already do this is, you know, I might call the key general contact every three months. Um, or, you know, we, we will send them an email. Um, and again, some of these strategies, I'm not necessarily saying to replace or stop, but I think there is a better way. I think there's a more efficient way. I think there's a way that your tenants over time will come to appreciate. And it is a fundamental shift in how we do business in some cases. And I think you have to explain to your tenants, we want to be better. We want to be more responsive. We want to continue to build on the success we already have. We want to engage not only you, but all of your, your staff, your employees, and ensure that their experience is the best that it can be. And here's what we're doing and why we're doing it. So it does require education, um, but it certainly doesn't mean, you know, throwing out everything you've been doing and just adopting this new form of technology as the solution. It's it's a really great message that, as, as we talked about companies, their job is to sell a product or a service. It's the same with property owners. And it's the same with service providers like JD or myself or, or, or you, David. It's, it's the same with us. We're, we're selling a, a service. But if you're a property owner, I think you could take this time to 
to sharpen your axe and perhaps get a new axe uh, or an additional axe and really just ask the question, uh, building owner, uh, sorry, I'm right there, building owner, property manager, how can we get better? I, I, I loved how you said that is how can we get better? What can we better provide our customers, which in this case are the tenants? I don't like to make huge predictions or proclamations. I, I tend to be sort of a very common sense, try to see, you know, the middle ground. Um, but I do believe that building operators that are complacent um, and do little or nothing to think about the way the future has changed uh, or today, you know, the, the future is now for that matter, um, and how they might conduct themselves and or their business differently. Um, I, I think they're going to have difficulty. Um, I think it's very short sighted. Um, I think their head is a little bit in the sand. I think they they think because it worked for so many years, mm -hmm. again, because Commercial real estate is, is such a, a legacy business where where so much wealth has been created um, that perhaps you can just weather the storm. Uh, but I think there are some fundamental shifts in the way that we do business, um, and commercial real estate needs to respond and change. And I think I think for those that do, it's an incredibly exciting time. Um, I think it's an exciting time for the people that operate their buildings to not just be um, building operators, but to actually be customer experience mm -hmm. uh, um, ambassadors. Um, and to have more FaceTime and, and more uh, time actually talking with and supporting uh, their customers. So it's a, a very exciting time, but the industry needs to definitely think differently and be prepared to move in a different direction. Yeah. And as you said earlier, there's, there's companies that are, are going to either develop out of this or, or, or expand or just emerge in general. And, and I think that's going to be the same in our industry. There's going to be property owners that grow and foster and, prosper uh, because they incorporate more customer centric experiences versus the ones that still have that old school mentality that this is how we've always done it work. This is how we're always going to do it. I, I think that those ones are, are at risk uh, at most risk of having to contract because the competition is going to be that much more fierce for the people that do develop these uh, technologies and incorporate them into their, into their business. Definitely. You know, and, and on the space front, as, as you suggested earlier, there's a, a lot of different needs emerging and we're going to continue to see spaces and buildings take different shapes and, and the demands and needs of, of occupiers is changing. But as much as we're seeing some people downsize, we're seeing some people just simply reconfigure space. And we're some people, some people using this as an opportunity to actually expand their footprint at, at you know, competitive um, offerings, um, recognize that they need to be more competitive. Um, and in some cases, based on the demographic of their workforce, um, you know, in order to attract and retain, space is a factor. And so mm -hmm. they're looking at creating, you know, more unique um, ways in which they can um, offer their people uh, a central place to be. Um, and they're, in fact, expanding that footprint. So there, we, we are in many ways in a state of flux. There's no one answer. We need to be creative. We need to be responsive. Um, and, and again, those that simply are waiting patiently, hands folded, perhaps in a praying motion, hoping <laughs> for the best. Um, I think they're going to run into some tough times. I agree with you on that. Well, I think that that's a, that's a good spot to wrap up on because I think we covered a ton of different topics on that. Uh, I've left your LinkedIn, uh, uh, website page and as well as Hilo's website page, any other way that people can get in touch with you if they want to learn more. Yeah, those will both work. My email address is david at hiloapp.com. Um, but and reach out any one of those ways. Uh, I'm happy to chat and connect and and just talk about commercial real estate, talk about prop tech, uh, talk about tenant experience, and and talk about getting down to business. 
Absolutely. And uh, talking about technology, we've the only two times that we've well, I guess we've chatted more than that, but the two yeah. longest times we've chatted were, uh, were virtually, I do want to meet you in person one of these days because, uh, that'd be a, a much more enjoyable, uh, than all these constant virtual calls. So either uh, next time I'm in Toronto, or if you're in my neck of the woods, let's, let's grab coffee. Oh, I look forward to it. Absolutely. Without question. Thanks so much for inviting me. Uh, I've had a blast and, uh, I hope it's been valuable for your listeners and, and you and I will continue the conversation for sure. Absolutely. I look forward to that. And, and thanks again for sharing your time and insight. Much appreciated. Pleasure. Take care. Okay. Thanks, David. Bye now. Bye.